Welcome to the Wardrobe Muse, helping you dress from the inside out. Feeling wardrobe challenged? Discover your style with me. I love working with women to identify their authentic self through clothing, to craft and maintain simple wardrobes that reflect who they truly are and that work for their lifestyles. To work together, visit me on the web at lastwardrobe.com. Visit lasswardrobe.com. Here's your host, Lisa. Welcome to another episode of The Wardrobe Muse. Today we have some visitors with us from a nonprofit organization called Second Chances Inc. And I met this wonderful nonprofit organization in my days of working with Eileen Fisher. And we've maintained our um, connection, which is wonderful. We have the founder and CEO with us today, Andrea. And we have the program manager, Jessica, and I will shut up in a few minutes and let them introduce themselves. But um, they're celebrating their 15-year anniversary this year. Uh, They are based in the Boston area in a city called Somerville, Massachusetts. And you want to jump onto the web and see them at secondchances.org or on Instagram or Facebook and learn more about their mission. They are a clothing donation program where they reuse and recycle clothing, shoes, and accessories so that homeless and low-income people feel confident and valued as they take their first steps toward bright futures. And as a community, uh, we all can agree (laughs) that minimizing the amount of apparel that land up inside landfills is something we want to strive to reduce. Usually, I don't make my discussion about the current times or COVID, but there's so many things about this organization that are so relevant to the moment that we are going to um, talk a little bit about their ability to stay program focused and on task, even during these critical times when many nonprofits had to close. Um, They've had an influx of clothing donations and uh, they touch 12 other programs in the greater Boston area. So I'm going to have them tell you so much more. But when you do stop by and visit with them, either on social media or their website, do consider, given the current state of what we're dealing with with the pandemic, to make a monetary donation if you are so moved and can afford to do so, because money will help just strengthen their programs. So, Andrea Shapiro and Jessica Callahan, welcome, and I'll have Andrea introduce herself, and then Jessica, and then we'll get into the conversation. Thanks for having us, Lisa. We're really grateful to you for both maintaining our connection over a long period of time and just for this opportunity to talk about our work and to connect with more people uh, in in our broader community. So, I founded Second Chances about 15 years ago. It arose from an issue that I was seeing that it becomes particularly relevant in in times like these. Uh, The organizations that we work with would get donations from very well-intended donors and they'd be donations of clothing and donations of furniture and donations of office supplies. And they would just, pile up and become difficult for the organizations to use or to keep track of to serve the purpose that they were intended for, which was to reach clients. And they'd also make their offices cluttered and messy and just, you know, I had one, uh, I was working in nonprofit 
management consulting, which is something that I still do. Uh, and one of my clients had a conference room that was just filled with stuff that was intended for clients, but was just hard to get to the right clients at the right time and the right sizes and the right season. And I knew there had to be a better solution to really get the stuff that was needed by clients so that they could move ahead to them. I have a lot of experience in my background with clothing and textiles. My family has been in the industry for three generations uh, at this point. And so it was something that I felt comfortable with and that I knew that there had to be a better solution to the supply side issue and to getting it to the folks who needed it. So I founded Second Chances uh, and we started very small. We had relationships with just a couple of organizations and we would take clothing donations, mostly from friends and family those first few years and sort them and store them and get them to the organizations on demand for their individual clients and their individual client needs. So specific to a person's size and a person's and the season that it was and what their goals were. And we've just grown from there. I mean, I think the first year we were in existence, we processed about 2000 pounds of clothing and we now process about 200,000 pounds of clothing every year. Uh, we probably, the first couple of years, we probably serve 20 to 30 people and we now serve I think we'll serve about 500 people this year. Um, and at the rate we're going, we, we saw 55 requests for clothing in October. Uh, so it could be even more than that. I think with current times, people are, there's just more need. The folks that we serve have, have really been impacted by this pandemic. Um, and they're the folks that are going out and working in supermarkets and driving Amazon trucks and um, all of those kinds of frontline workers. Yep. I was reading your annual report or whatever uh, the term is, and I love some of the statistics that you had shared there that over 18 months you've been able to donate 2,000 pair of new socks. You've been able to process through uh, pounds. You had it in pounds, 337,000 pounds of, of garments. That's, that's amazing. It is, and folks in our community are incredibly generous and really want to connect with and support other people in our community who are having, who are going through a difficult time. So we're incredibly grateful for the generous community that we have and we've built over 15 years. We have really close personal relationships with the folks who donate to us uh, and, and just have the confidence in us that the things that they donate are going are being used in ways that they feel good about. Jessica, let's bring you into our conversation today. Introduce yourself as a program manager. And we were talking a little bit about starting out with uh, being more conscious consumers. So we'll, we'll talk about that after you introduce yourself. Sure. Thank you, Lisa. It's great to be part of this. Um, I have been with Second Chances since May of 2019. Um, and I have um, all of my career been involved with either in a volunteer capacity or in a professional capacity with nonprofits, primarily serving those who need basic, basic needs. It's always been a passion of mine. And so I've been very blessed to be a part of Second Chances and particularly in the program manager role in which I get to really do firsthand work with pulling together the clothing that um, is being requested and needed, delivering it to the programs um, that are requesting the clothing, um, 
and interacting with those and getting to know them and what the needs are. Jessica and Andrea and I were chatting a little bit yesterday, you know, kind of preparing for today. And we talked a lot about um, why this is an important topic for me. Why would I bring um, this nonprofit onto the wardrobe muse? And it just all starts with a consumer that is more conscious in their consumption. Because if we don't contribute to the stream of more and more and more, that's out there, we, we don't have this landfill problem. But if we buy less and we buy better, when we are tired of it, it still can go to a wonderful organization such as Second Chances and someone who is really needing it can use it and they're not getting something frayed and stained and pilled. They're actually getting a garment that is going to make them feel boosting their self-esteem Jessica, talk a little bit about that. I know you had shared with me what the current needs are and, and how to fill those needs sure. effectively. The clients that we work with and the programs that we work with serve a range of, there's a range of needs um, that are being requested. And it's, it is hard to categorize. We serve a wide range of ages and sizes but the, the common denominator in all of that is that they really need, just like we all need, good quality clothing. You know, not only clothing that fits them correctly and makes them feel good, but is in good condition so that it serves its purpose. Particularly right now in the cold weather, what we see almost everybody requesting, in addition to other garments, is our winter coats and winter boots. And when those are worn are thin, they're not serving their purpose. Um, they need to be warm and look look good and feel good in them, but particularly to be able to deal with our weather. Right. We are New England based. We do need those weather specific elements to, to help people. Second chances is dealing with men, women, and children. So you really do have a need that is very broad. And your 12 programs that you're affiliated with do touch a lot of people. They really do. You know, we have some programs that are drop-in programs. So we're, we're doing there is we're supplying them with some very targeted specific items um, for a small, as Andrea was saying, many of them just have a small space to store clothing so that when their clients are dropping in, they can give them the basics, um, particularly things like socks and gloves and hats, some winter coats this time of year, those types of things. But the majority of who we're working with are requests for uh, specific individuals. Um, so we're literally outfitting them with the items they need. Um, we have folks that have had to, for various circumstances, have had to leave behind everything. Um, and they literally are showing up at the programs with the clothing that they are wearing sometimes it's not even appropriate for the season. And so we do provide a lot of basics, jeans, sneakers, sweatshirts, and things like that. But we also get many, many requests for people who are searching for jobs. So lots of job interview clothing, which these days has become virtual job interview clothing. Um, so oftentimes from the, the, you know, the tops have become very um, important. And many are 
looking for specific items for a particular job that they may have. So Andrea mentioned, you know, supermarkets where they are required to wear certain color or certain items that they have to have. Good supportive footwear is a big um, request. We have a lot of people who are commuting by walking, getting to the bus, getting to public transportation. Um, so providing really good footwear is always a challenge for us. You know, for my clients, one of our processes is to do a seasonal closet edit or refresh and really taking inventory within uh, the scope of what they own, what isn't serving them well any longer. And I would love to see a shift in that um, mentality that when it's still of high quality, you gift it at that point to a nonprofit organization. Yeah. Because in that way, then you're, you're giving the hand-me-down still in a gentle condition that can be utilized um, versus waiting for it to get to that last point of life. Um, Andrea, what do you think of that concept? I, I, I certainly don't want to clear out all my clients' closets and make them buy new clothes, but the things that really do no longer serve them. Right. We, we love working with stylists from, from two perspectives. I mean, one is the purge, which we're really happy about because we often get things that people had bought, you know, because they were shopping with a friend and the friend was like, oh, that looks great on you. And it really doesn't. And they never wear it. And so it's in fantastic condition and it might suit someone else. Uh, and we also tend to get things that are in better condition because people are being more thoughtful. And then from the other perspective, which really is a part of our mission is this recycling and reuse. Uh, we love that stylists encourage people to buy things that serve them well and to think about quality and to think about just the long-term value of, of a piece so that we're, they're being more conscientious about what they're purchasing and they're more likely to use it. And maybe we won't get it in fantastic condition, but it will help us to accomplish our mission of having less clothing and textiles in landfill. So we feel good about working with stylists from both those perspectives. And, and in the end, it serves your clients well because they can feel good about getting rid of stuff because it is going to someone who will better utilize it and, and will be happy about that and may move forward in their own life and accomplish whatever their goals are. Uh, because they have the right things to wear and because they feel good about themselves and they feel good in what they're wearing. So we are grateful for relationships with you and other stylists that help to fulfill our, our mission and to serve our, our clients and your clients. Talk a little bit about the challenges of staying open during the pandemic. I mean, that is our current state, but we're more talking about that early moment in the pandemic when things were very um, unknown. Um, and you were able to stay open, stay vital, where, you know, there was a, a shift for many nonprofits that they just had to close their right. programs specifically because you couldn't gather people together. So share with us what was that like and... How did you maintain it? There were a lot of challenges. Well, so first, uh, you know, our, our, our model is we don't, we don't serve consumers and clients directly. We, uh, on the client side, the folks that we serve, we work with their service providers. So we work with advocates and case managers and shelter managers to serve their clients. Um, so we don't have a lot of direct contact with, with folks. 
aside from the program managers and the programs that we work with. So from that perspective, our program was pretty ideally suited to be able to do safe drop-off of clothing for clients as long as the programs themselves were still sheltering people or meeting with clients and, and having that direct relationship. The challenge was that some of our programs that we serve had to figure out their service model and how to adapt their service model to be safe for their clients. So a couple of them shut down, you know, had less contact, had, had to really do some budget tightening um, and cut back. So there was a period where we didn't have a lot going on on the client side, but folks were home and they were cleaning out their closets and they wanted to do something that made them feel good and made them feel still connected to community. So they wanted to donate. And a lot of the other clothing donation programs couldn't figure out how to deal with that. Uh, and so we were getting an influx of clothing because they had closed their operations. We decided to keep working and to keep accepting clothing donations through the pandemic. We accept most of our donations come, about 95% of our cl clothing donations come from our outdoor donation bins that are in six locations throughout the greater Boston area. And we didn't close our bins and we were able to continue maintaining them. We work with a subcontractor who does our pickups and, and warehouses our uh, clothing donations. So, and they were able to keep operating safely. Uh, so we maintained our bins, but they were really getting full and that was a challenge. Uh, and the warehouse wasn't actually operating. They were just storing. Storing. So, so you have this influx of clothing donations, but you also had more demand as well. Yeah. So when they became able to operate, there was a pile of clothing to the ceiling that had collected in March, April, May, and June uh, that had to get dealt with. <laughs> so, and it did it just within the past, like, couple of months, uh, but, but, you know, challenges. And so we talked a little bit yesterday about this, but the whole, the system was gummed up as mm -hmm. many of the systems were, you know, there's generally a, a system and a flow of clothing. It goes to retail, it, you know, it gets manufactured, it goes to retail, it goes to wholesale, people clean out their closets, it goes to donation bins, it goes to thrift stores, it, you know, it goes all, it goes to, uh, there's, there's post-consumer use of textiles, so it goes to mills where it gets round up for futon stuffing, but all of those operations weren't working, and so the mm -hmm. system was really gummed up, and it still is to a certain degree when you think about, you know, retail's not operating. So all of that clothing that was produced for spring, summer 2020 is where, and is it gonna be relevant in spring, summer 2021? So we got a donation of about 300 prom dresses from two different Macy's stores because they didn't have a prom season and they weren't expecting that those prom dresses would be relevant next spring and they couldn't really store them until next spring because that was never their intent. Easter didn't happen. And so we got, we also got Macy's uh, Easter clothing 
for kids, um, which we hope we'll be able to use at some point when when there's Easter again. Yeah, the massive uh, shift. So, so the system was just really gummed up, like yep. supply and demand. We're not in sync. sync. Yep. And, and we a little bit benefited from that. And we were able to, because we're small and pretty nimble and our service model is adaptable to a lot of things you can throw at us, we were able to adapt and continue operating. Um, we were really lucky. The, the thing which you mentioned early on that hasn't been as promising is the financial picture. Um, you know, we were able to access a small business loan so that we could get through a period of time, but, you know, financial, some of our corporate donations are down. Certainly our um, corporate clothing drive stream is down. Some of our individual donations are down because folks are experiencing challenging times financially. So that's had an impact on our budget and that will have an impact on our long-term ability to continue operating. So financial donations right now where the clothing system is still so gummed up and the, you know, we don't, we don't know what the future holds. So we don't know what our uh, individual clothing needs are or what our client clothing needs are. And so right now, really the best way that folks can support us is financially. We had anticipated income from two 15th anniversary celebrations that we won't be able to have in our 15th year. And we're a small organization, so we don't have an annual event. Uh, so that will definitely have an impact on our future plans. But again, you know, we're, we're hopeful about the future. We're small, we're nimble. We've demonstrated that we can react to most of what's thrown at us. And, and we hope that we'll be able to continue serving folks and to continue engaging with our community in this way. I'm trying to help my clients be more nimble around this work from home um, current state. I mean, it is the reality for most people, although I know that your organization definitely works with and we should honor those that are frontline workers that cannot mm -hmm. have the ability to work from home. So we want to acknowledge that. Uh, most of my clients are not in that space, although I do have a lot of teachers and nurses who are not contacting me right now because they're just up to their eyebrows. <laughs> but, um, you know, shifting from a world that was, I feel, and this is a judgment um, as a stylist, already getting too casual. Now we're in the Zoom space or other virtual platforms and I think people need to create some agency in that area so that they're still showing up. Certainly when we're all gathering for the Thanksgiving Zoom holiday, if we're choosing to just be with family and not dress up, that's, that, that's life. But when we're being paid or when we're asking for support or money, I would love to see us shift back to a little bit of dressing up for your work or your online schooling a little bit, or other appointments that are more professional. Um, and Jessica, are you seeing some call out for that among your agencies that, on behalf of their clients that are trying to interview or yes, maybe working in that space? Yep, we definitely are. We I've actually had several specific requests for um, clothing that would will be used for both. Uh, virtual job interviews, as well as virtual meetings for work. Um, so we do have quite a bit of that looking for, you know, more tailored and modest sweaters and tops um, with some accessories like scarves and things like that, that, you know, will present well 
when a face-to-face um, on the screen instead of in person. So we have seen a little bit of a shift in that, less, less requests for interview suits, um, which we used to get quite a bit, or interview separates, um, which we get a lot of requests for those types of items. We're seeing a shift in that. Definitely a shift towards more casual clothes, lots of requests for um, more comfortable and warm clothing because we're doing a lot of sitting around and we get cold. Um, rather than moving around. But we also continue to see the request for items for people who are going to work and their their specific needs to get them to work. Great. Well, we want to support those folks in any way we can, obviously. Uh, and diverting these clothes and accessories from, from hitting that landfill is, is so paramount. Uh, I always tell my clients, uh, don't throw anything away. There, there's a way to figure out how to recycle it or craft it. or I mean, there, there's many, many different ways to reuse, recycle, um, keep it from the trash bin at all costs, and we'll figure out a way to, to make something else of it. Um, I know Eileen Fisher had a tremendous buyback program when I worked there, so it gave their clients a, a, an area to come to and do a drop-off of clothes, and they had many, many ways to to recycle, reuse. So it's, it's a mentality shift. And I, I just love your mission and how you're helping on all ends, so to speak. Um, Andrea, you know, talk a little bit for us about that fundraising um, reality and corporate donors and what we can do to be helpful to you as you move through then maybe, maybe the next three to six months. Yeah, I think this is a long-term this is a long-term situation. When we saw the, uh, the 2008 change in the financial environment, it really didn't hit most nonprofits until a couple of years later the, because the impacts are, are different. It was a financial markets issue. This is a situation that's hitting individuals and corporations. We've been really fortunate. On the one hand, some of the corporations that have supported us over time have really stepped up. They've they've dug into the principle in their corporate giving and given out more this year. And we've had others that have really tightened up because they've laid off employees and it doesn't feel right to be giving away money when you're laying off employees. Um, and certainly we've had, it's had an impact on our individual giving similarly, some folks have felt incredibly generous and fortunate that they're in the safe situations that they're in, but others have been impacted negatively with job loss um, or loss of income and, and have had to cut back on their giving. So we're happy for whatever folks can do. We, we know that there are people out there who, who really want to reach folks and who are feeling isolated and not able to give back in the way that they have traditionally given back, whether that's because they were able to host a clothing drive among their friends and family or at their church or at their workplace and they want to give back in another way. And for us, those, you know, small contributions, it's our 15th anniversary, get everyone in your family to donate $15 that you're not spending at Starbucks, you know, on your commute to work uh, or whatever, that makes a huge impact in a small organization like ours. Um, so, so we're happy for all of it. I mean, those can, who can write $1,500 checks and those who can write $15 checks, it's all, it all helps. And what it will help is for 
to build our resilience so that we can come back from this and continue operating, continue serving the increased need that we're seeing in the community and, and just build some more stability and sustainability for the future. The way we've been able to adapt is, you know, we, we're pretty flexible. Jessica's part-time, I'm 80% time. You know, if, if things don't pan out the way we hope they will next year, we'll just cut back in other areas. Like I'll go to three days a week if I have to, and we'll just figure it out. Um, but what it does mean is if, you know, if we cut back on our time, we, can, we can't serve as many people the clothing doesn't sort itself and get to people on its own. You need, you need us to make that happen. Uh, so, so our, and our main cost is we have a very affordable office space. Uh, our main cost is really staffing and insurance and those kinds of things, but we can flex. It just means that we will be able to do a little bit less if we have to. So with help and support from folks in our community with financial support, we'll be able to, continue doing what we do and continue serving the increased need among the folks that we serve. It's a great mission. I don't care what Andrea says. She's, her and Jessica are 100% in it to win it. They may not be physically in their office, but they're working this thing all the time. So (laughs) kudos to you guys for your passion. Um, Jessica, any closing thoughts about, you know, on the program level that you want to just share as, as kind of the last few sentences. (laughs) No, I just really appreciate being a part of this and talking about, you know, how we think about our clothing in our closets and how that the, the journey that they take and the amount of need that there is out there and hopefully getting those clothing into people's hands who, you know, really can use them and seeing that whole process. I know it has made me rethink how I do things um, and reading your email blast that you send out and following along with some of the tips and suggestions. It really has made me think differently about how I make my purchases and, you know, certainly how that affects um, those that we are serving. We are seeing um, quite a few single moms who are, you know, trying to support young children in a variety of situations right now with school and daycare and jobs and hearing what their needs are, you know, in terms of what they're looking for. And it it really has made me think about, um, you know, what, what we are donating. So I appreciate you taking the time to have us on for this. Thank you. Oh, great. I want to challenge, you know, all my stylist friends out there. Um, let's rally around great organizations um, such as this one. Please follow them on Instagram and Facebook and their, um, their page, secondchances.org. And uh, just in closing, I will say, uh, I obviously live uh, slightly north of where Andrea and Jessica live, so I don't get to come down and visit them as much as I'd like, but uh, any of my clients who want to participate as we do your closet edits and want to earmark this organization, I am willing and able to collect and uh, and run it down to one of the bins, so... Um, Oh, that's what we should all be doing. <laughs> Thanks for that, Lisa. We appreciate the the extra effort and then hopefully we'll be able to see you at some point in the future. 
Yeah, I miss you guys. When we can gather, yes, we miss you too. We miss, I miss, we miss humans. I mean, one of the things that Jessica was noting about our, the way we deliver services is that it, it used to be, we wouldn't just leave a bag of clothing on the porch. We used to have a conversation with a program manager, a case manager, and, and strengthen our relationships with the folks that we provide service to. And now we kind of, you know, leave a bag on the doorstep and ring the doorbell and run. And it's just not, it's not what we're used to because community is such a big part of what uh, what we do and how we connect with the world. And so we, we miss that a lot, but we also know that it's what we need to do to keep our community safe for now. And especially where we're serving folks who are in congregate living situations and have high risk. Um, we just need to be careful so that we can all emerge from this and, and be stronger and, and keep doing what we're doing. So I totally understand what Andrea is saying. I'm on the grants allocation committee for the Women's Fund of Essex County. And one of the joys of that, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a labor of love. We're all volunteers. But one of the joys of it would be to go out and do the program site visits and see the people that we are granting and, and also meeting with the executive directors, you know, and having these conversations like we're having today. And we really miss that. We're trying to maybe do some of it via Zoom, but you don't get in and see the organizations and their programs in action um, so we, we were, we're starting up our cycle again, just a plug for the Women's Fund of Essex County. If you're a nonprofit out there servicing women and girls on the north of Boston, please um, look at the application. It's open. It's unrestricted this year and uh, participate with us. Thank you both for, for being with us. I appreciate you guys so much. Thanks for having us, Lisa. Thank we you. Really appreciate you. Thank you. And shout out to our producer today, Jay Foss. Always, I could not have the show without Jay. Thank you, Jay. To find out more about Lisa's sustainable style, check out lasswardrobe.com.